Good morning. This is Tavo Diarsi, wherever you are. God's blessings and greetings from the DFW Leader Online Ministry Fellowship. We're here in the Charlotte area in Fort Mill, South Carolina, because our location of real life living and freedom has been moved to the South Carolina border, where we feel there is a lot of community communing with the Lord, and we feel the need to still be on target online and have DFW Leader Fellowship, the ministry, the apostolic call over the area as we're sent, but we're also sent to all Christ followers, and it really wasn't very diverse where I found it in our ministries for all colors and our national, you know, we're called for prayer, but we're also called for diversity. So I found that uh, God just chose to move us up sovereignly And we're grateful to be here. Just so glad to be here. There's a fear of the Lord, a depth. There is a genuine spirit, uh, a real ministry, unity, community feel. And all people where I've been since I've been here four months, everywhere I've gone, there's they're working against coming out against racism, standing up for prayer, for community, for repentance and leaders and all Christians. And that's my heart. That's where I've been. That's what I thought as a servant leader, Christian ministry is all about. It's the community. It's the sharing. It's the networking. It's being led by the Lord in a non-legalistic fashion where it's not all white, not all black, not all brown, but in a no competition, no sex and uh, party spirit dividing, but really a community. And that's what I like. You know, everybody can have their niche. I have a niche. You have a niche. You can develop a niche if you hear God. God is your father. He'll give you your call. And then within your call, you have to figure out your your boundaries and what you're really sent to do, what you're really meant to do as a ministry, as a leader, and then when you're not on duty as a person, as a Christian. And you're supposed to be led by the Spirit and hear for God for yourself and then go out and do what He says. And then He says, here's where I want you to do it. This is apostolic ministry talking, trailblazing, birthing something new, work birthing if the Lord and when the Lord calls you to do it, whether it's a ministry, whether it's a business, whether it's a media ministry. So I've done this, been around this a long time, and I want people to hear God that you have the freedom. You have the freedom to hear God for yourself, to have a new beginning. You have a freedom to fail and not be moved unless God is moved. You have a freedom to do the work and succeed and receive what you need to and want to if the Lord tells you that. See, that's it. I believe that you can go with teaching of funding and income and finances. You can go two extremes. One is you can get all bent out of shape and puffed up in a type of nouveau reach. I'm going to spend it. I'm going to you know, show what I got, possessions, because that's going off because it should be prosperity. Organic prosperity is what the Lord taught me. Organic prosperity for ministry, family, anybody is in between your own ears. Whatever you and God, after he counsels you, after you pray about it, after you think about it, whatever you got, you and God say to go for or is your version of, of true prosperity in Christ, go for it. That means there is no, it'll get rid of all competitiveness keeping up with the Joneses, even in ministry. It will be nomo FOMO, fearing of missing out, which is the same thing, keeping up with the ministry Joneses. There'll be no materialism. There could be no 
greed, there could be no people who takers, you know, just do it to have more money, ostentatious showboating, because that's not God. It would be humble. It would be between you and God and your fellowship about what he says. Here's your goal for your house, your car, your life, your style, whatever you wear, whatever you own. And see, then it puts the ball in my court, everyone else's court, after you hear for yourself personally, not to be a busybody, not to mind your business, not to compete and compare on our side, not to say, I'm going to, you know, man, I'm envious, I'm jealous. I wish I could have that because, see, that's the other side of this, the relationship in the family of God that's out in the field. So then I would say to everyone else, do the same thing. Keep your mind on your own stuff. Listen to what God is saying to you. In my opinion, to me, the one of the highest forms, my form of godly prosperity is this, my form of organic, natural with God wholesome, true prosperousness is godliness with contentment is great gain. You're content, you're giving thanks, you're grateful for all things. If you have high income, low income in between, if you have a house or not, you're in with the Lord in his Holy Spirit, his joy, his oil of joy and gladness, his grace, his presence, his direction, his word of God, Man, it's wonderful. So it doesn't, you know, the old song, what does it say? He, he, he can't take my joy. Uh, let's see, there's something, the devil want to take it away. He can't take it away. Da-da. Uh, when all those praise songs about the nobody can steal your joy unless you let them, unless you're tricked out of it. So if I'm going to teach prosperity, I'm going to say there's nothing wrong with hearing God and he leads you to get a house. He leads you where to go. He leads you what kind of car. He leads you, you know, and see, that's another thing. People are just sort of clueless. We are pretty clueless about what prosperity is. First of all, the other extreme is seen having too much or making such a big show of it. Ostentatious lifestyles of the rich and famous in ministry. All right, that's a red flag for me. That's why there's so much flag. The other extreme is like, oh, yes, we're going to, you know, be so poor. We're so proud of ourselves because we gave it all up and we gave it all away. We don't want anything of a T-shirt <laughs> and we are proud of ourselves. And Oh, yeah, we, you know, woe is me, woe is me. But we're martyrs and sacrificers because we're such virtuous, proud Christians. And see, pride Pride is the devil's handiwork at either end. So I think everyone go by yourself. Every leader, every lay, every person, go by yourself, talk to the Lord and let him tell you in your heart and your spirit, put a vision of his vision of your call for how much to aim for, pray in, live there, don't. So then after that, we all go away. We do what God says. And then here's the test. Here's the real test. What if sister so-and-so says, you know, I feel really peace about having an apartment and giving all my money to charity and really, you know, not even having a car, take the bus to work. And that's fine. That's her deal. And that's wonderful. God has told her to do that. If God has told her, do it. That's what you want to do. Another person say, well, I feel my idea, if I could really have a blessing and favor of God. And he would say, okay, I'd have like a double wide trailer next to a fishing hole and a boat. And I think 
If God tells you that, go for it. Another person, and see, I'm not you, and I'm not going to tell you God tells you to do these things. He might. We don't know why, because God told Solomon. Anyway, Solomon mystified people, and some people are poor and mystify people, and some people are wealthy and mystify people, because God says he uses the foolish things of the world on purpose to confound the worldly wise. So I might see somebody, I think, man, you know, I, I just think I'm better than they are. I'm better than they are. And God may, he may say from his point of view, I put that person in front of you because you're so proud to shame you and really convict you and show me your heart that I'm just putting a foolish thing in front of you to confirm your worldly wise heart. That could be all of us. So the next part would be, what if somebody says, I feel like God is saying to build a mansion, six figures, have stables, give riding lessons, have a car, a camp. Another one may say, well, you know, I'm happy living in a car, in a van, so I can witness. I can be sent by God, have no ties. So, you know, all these things, if they're really of God, and he confirms them, and you feel peace about it, go for it. That didn't mean you're going to see everything automatically, and we're not giving you formulas. But I'm saying there's so much weirdness. Let's put it this way. There's so much weirdness and dishonesty. Yes, we present ourselves and put on a front. I'm not going to do that. I haven't been. I'm trying not to do that. So let's get on there. Also, there's legalism. You cannot own a six-figure house. You cannot own a 12-figure house. That is between you and a God. It isn't sin. If God said so. I used to have a, um, what God has taught me through the years, slowly. My mom had a friend when they were in their 70s. And so my mother had a friend in Virginia Beach named June, both of them with the Lord, both Christians. Now, June, my mother, we were middle income. We were not wealthy, but we were not poor, school teacher type, pastor, you know, middle income back then. So as a college student, I remember visiting mother and she went to see her friend June. Now, June had been raised poor. She had been raised by an alcoholic parent, and it was so unstable. I don't know if she was abused, but she had a really hard life. Well, then she gets married, and she marries a Christian, and he's very entrepreneurial, and he grows a huge air conditioning company where they put in air conditioners for hospitals and stadiums, maybe the Panther Stadium, those type of people. So those people were automatic, you know, they grew wealthy. Well, June, by the time we met her, I met her at 73. She was dressed to the nine. She, he, he, because he, Rye, because he liked her that way. He, he knew he had money, so he wanted her to look cute for him. And so I remember my mother and I were just sort of casual dressers. And, but June was like a doll. She had these huge, you know, wonderful suits and high heels. And she, we would go shopping every so often, go along with June. She did the shopping. We watched. But this is why I went. This is why God had me. And this is why I'm talking about it. What I loved and admired and respected about both June and David, who are with the Lord, they weren't ostentatious. They were modest. They were making big money, but they lived in a simple house. It was a plain brick rancher. They did later have a big beachfront house. And we got to go there. That was enjoyable. But that she let her daughter live there. It wasn't like we they owned the possessions and money didn't own them. But my big lesson was for me, one, the maybe two times at the most, I went with my mother and June while she shopped. 
Well, we walked, you know, June was on her dime doing her thing and she wanted to please her husband and bless her husband by looking good. So she went to the best makeup and she got the more expensive makeup and she did this, that and the other. And if I went to a dress shop, it would be the top of the line dress shop for her suit. Well, I wasn't envious. I didn't want any of that. I don't know why I just didn't. I don't, I don't I'm not into that. God has me not into that. But I was grateful I could watch June in action because here's how she handled her money. This is how she ministered with money. She did not flaunt it. She used it because she was a witness. She loved Dr. David Jeremiah. She loved Dr. David Jeremiah. So we would go with her when, you know, a couple of times my mother was her friend and she would go to the best store. We'd go with her and I'd watch her how she acted and reacted with every relationship, every store clerk, every cashier, every person that waited on her salesperson. And I watched her demeanor. I watched her respect. I watched her love. And as a repeat customer, because she could afford it, she would go back and they would recognize her. And because she had been so kind to them, so patient, so loving, they would light up and they'd smile and they'd greet her and say hi. And she was just as down to earth and approachable and loving and respectful, reverential of people no matter what their color. And I took that from the Lord as a way, if you have money, you know, the good part of having money, it can take you before people who would never maybe go to church. People, if your, if your motives and God are in it, and it would take you to buy something that shows a Christian is a witness, not a poverty stricken, pitiful person as a Christian. People think that. I used to have a friend that think that from a foreign nation. All right, so you go and you let God lead you. You're not doing it because you're deserving it. You're not leading because you, you know, you're letting the Holy Spirit guide. So to me, I think if you can go into a place that because you have the funds to buy a house, a car, a dress, a car, whatever it is, horse, makeup, ties or suits if you go there more than once and you are respectful loving down to earth relatable relationship respecting witness you're going to sow seeds for the kingdom why are you going to be legalistic you know christian doesn't have money christian you know if you've got money see what happens is those people those kind of people they're looking at everybody else they're looking at everybody else My esteem is so poor that now I'm going to watch everybody else's life because I'm going to complain about them if they're better than me, better off, more wealthy, talk them down, or I'm going to look down on them if I am wealthier than they are. That's just the shame, but it is carnal human nature. So my advice is let Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be your conscience. And then the only thing that would limit you is God and his call on you and your conscience. And then you would say, everyone else, mind your own business. I'm pleasing God. He said, okay, I'm not going to please everybody else. I'm going to do it. He says, you know, and, and enjoy it. If they are envious, if they have FOMO keeping up with the Joneses, if they're putting the guilt trip on you, that's your test to grow up and not be moved by it. One thing I do believe in, I've always honestly thought, I thought everybody should have a 
as a if you're a Christian office minister, you should have a conscience that says no more or you know in other words you need to not be ostentatious and lasciviousness you should not go into materialism as a sign of your proof of valid ministry or success or neither should you be the pitiful poor when either it's a balance but i've always been concerned with people who go out and take their ministry money or and right now a lot of people don't have their ministry money they go to their own book earning money and that's their choice but i think down to earth wisdom says because we're only here for a short time in christian ministry before eternity starts i think it'd be better to be a great witness because people who live too large they get a lot of accusation from the cynics, from the other Christians, from people who are ignorant about that. So it's your your call. But my sila is don't buy the biggest, splashiest car, house, land, look. Don't go the fine, you know, big all these rings and bling and stuff like that. One of the things I've, I really noticed back 20 years ago, 30 years ago over Christian, if they wear jewelry on TV, you're going to catch big flack, big skepticism, big assumptions. Now that's your choice. I have never been a person who wants jewelry. I've never, I buy because I lose it. I would wear a wedding ring, of course, and not lose it, but I, I'm not one that buys jewelry or thinks jewelry as my sign of success. So if you see me with any jewelry, because I have this big ring, I mentioned in my big red ring, I have this big red, you know, ruby looking king ring that represents to me business, but God helping me with business and ministry. And I had lost my mate and I was newly single and the Lord one day, and I thought as a safety, because I'm not seeking a mate, if God throws one in front of me, maybe, you know, I'll take one, but I'm not looking for one, a Christian mate, minister, or anybody, Christian business person, whoever. So back then, about 10 years ago, eight years ago, I was telling the Lord, you know, I felt like, you know, it'd be safer, like to, to have a ring on that finger. So the Lord agreed, and we went one day after church in Plano. The Lord led me to a Dillard's. So I went to a Dillard's at the leading of the Lord, and I started to look for a ring. So I looked around, and there was this ring, amazing ring, and I picked up the price tag. <laughs> it was nine ninety nine. I went, oh, Lord, so I thank you. So that's just right, my budget. So I went over to pay for it, and the lady looked at it. She says, this has been priced wrong. It should be more. I went, oh, no. I said, Lord, I believe this is the ring you have for me. So I said, well, what's the price of the ring if it weren't marked down? She said, $30. <laughs> but still, she gave it to me for $9.99. So you can't be moved by looks or appearance. You just be moved by the Holy Spirit. So I, I was so grateful, but I do think, and I recognize when people flash jewelry, big bucks, big this and that, big cars, man, I'm sorry, but through the years, you know, having the big car, the fancy brand car sort of bothers me, but I do have, because Holy Spirit, I have my SUV Toyota, 12 years old, but he's going to get me a bigger one because I'm supposed to go out, preach on the front lines and have a van, you know, camper van. And I want a quality one because I've suffered, you know, paid the price, paid dues for years to do that.
But that's between the Lord and me, really. Not blaming the Lord. I've had a great, really pretty much of a great time despite. And I'm healthy. Thank God for God. So anyway, as I was thinking over, you know, years ago before my interesting, very interesting tour in Texas, DFW started. It was before I had a Toyota Highlander SUV. But it was years before I had no clue I was going to end up in Texas, much less live there, much less abide there and dwell and survive there for 15 years. However, back in Virginia, I was driving the mom van. I had a couple of mom vans, a red mom van, a green mom van, and the green mom van ended up bringing me to Texas, DFW. Well, it was the right time. The money had come. And the old car was getting way, way old, unsafe, wouldn't going to make it. So I prayed and I'd had in Virginia before I came a vision that one day I was supposed to get a big car, a white big car, like an SUV. So when the money came, God provided the money and I went by faith to look. I found I was led to a Toyota place and there was this car, the right car, brand new car. Because he led me and because I'd seen it in a spiritual vision from the Lord, I bought it and it has been a gift. This car has been a gift. Now, I've had some nightmares in this car from other humans, born again ones even, but it's never been the Lord that's done it. And I've had some wear and tear. I've had some things that have happened, but because of God, he's given me the grace, the great grace to get this car and use it for his glory and his ministry. Now it's time, I believe, to really get to the next chapter for all of us. And I really believe it's calling me to a, a, a really beautiful, spacious camper van that's top quality, not shabby. Because God, Jesus doesn't want shabby. He doesn't look good and shabby. Low income doesn't have to be shabby. One of my wonderful victory teachings for Christian ministers is, and for myself and business, at any level, the, the, the mantra, the ongoing mantra is a spirit of excellence at every level. And you can have a spirit of excellence living and camping in your car. You, if you want to do it and you know how. You can have a spirit of excellence living in a bad area or a good area. See, God has come for all of us to clean us up, to clean us out. He's come, from the up, he's come for the up and out and the down and out. And he's come to test us. Are we too proud or too severe to go to both? He wants you to the up and out too. Up and out can live in a mansion, a fine house, a trillion dollar mansion, but you're not to be moved by the anything but the Lord, the Holy Ghost and the Bible. He can take you to the opposite extreme where they have no collar, living on the street, homeless or in a car. But you're not to be moved because you're Jesus ambassador with the call of God on your life. One thing I like is a verse, Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. That means you've got to hear God if you're going to do anything and start a business, start a ministry. You've got to be called. When I was a teenager, my father had retired from pastoring all the time. He was a supply pastor. We moved to Norfolk, Virginia Beach area in Virginia, and he supplied at a Baptist church because he was a Baptist. 
So we went with him. I sat in the audience. And afterwards, after the service was over, he and mom came out to the car. We all got in together. And my father was puzzling and wondering with my mother about this young man he met. He had met this young man who had taken an aptitude test. And the man was probably close to zero knowing about God, not even sure if he was saved. But the young man had proudly taken an aptitude test, and the test told him, not God, didn't come from God, he wasn't a Christian, but he got an aptitude test that said, yes, you're called to be an Episcopal priest. So he was going to sign up and be an Episcopal priest. And my father and them were like marveling, you know, like shocked. I was like, oh, my stars. So you think who's in the ministry in certain places and could be any group, black or white, brown or green. All right. That's why you need to keep your eyes open, your spirit man open, your attention, because you don't know what their motive is why they're there, are they truly called, or did they just think it looks good for an application because mama said, oh, yes, young man, you've got the gift, my boy. You've got the gift. Go for it. You make a great preacher. We always wanted one in the family. So this is it. We want to make sure we're really zeroing in on perception, what is true from real, what is false. Did God really call you to build a vision? Did he call you to car camp? Um, for the gospel, like a missionary or not. So I've been through all of that. I go through all of that. And that's why I live. And that's why I love the Lord. He's so amazing. One of my, oh my gosh, one of my favorite verses for this, trying to hear God on the fine tuning of life is John sixteen thirteen. And if you want to teach on prophecy, if you want to teach on hearing God, if you want to teach on anything, it's a start apart, making decisions. John sixteen thirteen says, When the Spirit of truth shall come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not talk about himself. He'll show you the things to come. That last part, he'll show you the things to come, is significant for training on the spirit of prophecy, walking out how to hear God, and really get an inner vision for your business, your future. Not a perfect formula vision, not an instant Yes, we're going to go to our computer inside and print it out and have the full thing. No, it's a puzzle piece day by day over years. Let's talk about John sixteen thirteen. when the spirit of truth shall come. Well, first of all, how for the Christian, how does the spirit of truth come? You want to make sure it's God's Holy Spirit, the creator God, not some false God, you know, false spirit, because this is subjective. It's not a perfect thing. We're human. So it says, when the spirit of truth shall come, he will guide you into all truth. And that's what you want. You want all the truth you need to know for your life and your call and your ministry. Whether it's a high call, a natural call, not a ministry or a ministry. You want to know about your house. Do you get a house? Do you move now? Do you stay here? Do you go to that place or not? Wonderful tips for hearing the Lord. But first of all, you got to make sure you know who's giving you the call. You need to know, do you have the real spirit of truth, the authentic, genuine Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, time-tested, Bible-writing spirit of truth? And so here's how you do it. First of all, you say, Lord, I want to make sure the spirit of truth has come. How do I get it? And I'm going to tell you. I need to tell you. So you can tell others too. 
when the spirit of truth comes, when you ask Jesus, you say, Lord, I want you to come into my heart. I want you to be my Lord. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Lord, I ask you to forgive them. Wash me so that I'm ready for eternity. Then I will never go and burn in the hot, horrible place ever, but I'll go to eternity. And then, Lord, help me tell my friends so they will go in eternity in heaven as well. But, you know, that's your option on that part. But you want to make sure you invite Jesus into your heart because when you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, you've accepted accepting him as your savior, as your personal savior, and you are now given a free gift. He gives you a free gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, that is the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth will come when you ask Jesus into your heart and you're officially born again, ready to live forever in heaven. And you'll never go to the hot burning place unless you really turn away from God and turn your back. Okay. So now that the spirit of truth has come, he can guide you into all things. How will he do it? How does that happen? We don't just wake up and know all things. Plus, you'll never know everything about the universe and God and life until you go to heaven. Then you will know all things. We will know all things, surely. But right now, he's going to give you all things that you'll know all things that you have to know to get by, to get ahead, to know your call, to feel God's peace, to grow in the Lord. Now, sometimes he will want you to ask, get counsel Good teaching, that's what Bible teaching is for. Fellowshipping with the saints is for. Getting prayer from people, direction from people, and stuff like that. And go online to YouTube for good people that you know are trustworthy even to build you up. Because when the Spirit of Truth will come, He wants to guide you into all things. One of the things Paul said, and Paul, you know, Apostle Paul, he was so great because he heard the Lord, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. How did he do it, though? He was forced out of fellowship with the first 12 apostles been soared by Jesus. He was by himself, basically, with the Arabs up in Damascus, which is now Syria, for 14 years. But when he comes back, he'd gotten so close to God that he could discern him. He knew when the Spirit of Truth was with him because they hung out together in a fellowship. They had a great relationship. There probably wasn't much entertainment for Paul, so he didn't turn on the internet and waste his time. Instead, he hung out with God because he was desperate to hear from God. Well, anyway, he learned about God, and in Ephesians 1.17, this is how he heard how to write the Bible, but he also heard how to pray. He knew how to pray for the saints to hear God. And it says in Ephesians 1.17, Paul said, I pray for all of you saints in the church that you will have more of God's Holy Spirit wisdom and revelation, downloads of free information and ideas that come from the Father God, Daddy God, over time. And he said, I pray that all of you will have more of God's Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation in your knowledge of him. How do you have knowledge of him, Jesus? You learn about him, you read about him, but that isn't all. You don't just read books about him, hear teachings and stories about him, get verses about him. You get to know him 
in a relationship where you hang out and pray, you feel him, you perceive and discern his presence, you get more victory and you can get better at that and you learn your Bible and you go where they do that and worship and prayer, prophetic type things or not. But when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into a lot of good stuff, even fun, joy, merriment, you know, good stuff that you need while you need in your earthly life, including vision. So you don't have to settle for, I guess, maybe logic, because you don't want to be Psalm 127.1, unless the spirit of Lord, unless the spirit unless the Lord builds the house, tells you to build it, those who build it will labor in vain. You won't have success. You'll have some misery along the way. Same with your ministry. So these are little points, but they're very big points about being directed in your life. And I've lived by these and I just think they're amazing. Uh, I think that one of the things that would be a good verse for you to really meditate and dwell upon would be one of my favorite lifelong verses that jump-started my, I guess you call it mind and consciousness raising in the Lord that's free, no drugs, no LSD, no marijuana, but a free verse for mind and consciousness raising that Put your faith into it and believe God for this. All right. It says my favorite. I mean, this is a foundational verse for my whole ministry and life for decades. All right. First Corinthians written by Paul, first Corinthians two, nine and 10. And it says, get this out in your Bible, underline it, get online, print it out, keep it in your pocket, look at it all the time and think and dwell on it, meditate, mutter it. Build your faith in it and let God work on it. You know, build this in you from the inside out. It's a spiritual gift for free. This faith and this word of God, the supernatural power. First Corinthians, first Corinthians two, nine and 10, where Paul says, the, it is written says, eye has not seen nor ear has not heard. Neither has entered into the heart of any man any person, those things which the Lord has prepared for those who love him. But those things are revealed by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit, for the, let's see, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, even the deep things of God. So this tells us that over time, being patient, not a formula, but if you're with God and you really ask for this and believe it and pray it and wait, God will be faithful to open up to your understanding, new thoughts, ideas, new ways, new problem solving, can do, you know, ideas, new revelation, new wisdom, like Paul said he got in Ephesians 1.17. He can do this. So let me say it again. But you have to, you know, this faith, Christian faith means if I don't really believe this, if I don't talk my Greek brain, my tired, forlorn, miserable, you know, mighty brain full of facts and media, if I don't believe it really, it won't work. That's a Christian word. You got to mingle your faith with the word or it won't work. So let's go back and start again. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, 
What eye has not seen, your eyes have never seen in this whole life. What your ear has not heard, what you've never heard online, in your imagination, other people, all the books, all the world's wisdom, all the cultures, all the talking heads, all the preachers, all the visionaries and artists, musicians and writers, what eyes not seen, what ear has not heard, those things, oh, what, and neither that has entered into the heart of any man, fresh things, that, a fresh beginning, not anyone has thought of it, only you and God. Between you and God, he'll tell you, and then he'll show you what to do about it. Eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has entered into the heart of any man, any person, any woman, any leader woman. Any lay woman, any black woman, any brown woman, Hispanic woman, and Asian woman, any kind of woman or man and man. All right. No, but I has not seen or has not heard neither what has entered into the heart of any man. Those things, real things, real happenings, places, persons, ideas, conveniences, protections, whatever it is. But those things are revealed by the spirit. Those things are downloaded by the Holy Spirit in your relationship over time. Those things are downloaded or put in your brain or you're driving along and an idea pops up. That's how it happened to me for decades. I just call it a eureka moment. I also think praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues as a leader, man, that has really hastened this to happen. Because I finally found out, I got the baptism in college. I asked the Lord to give me the baptism of the Holy Spirit with speaking in tongues if He wanted to. I was a Baptist. That's the way Baptists do. And He did. But I got one little syllable, and the man who told me about this said, pray and practice it. God will give you more. And he did. But I never had bells or whistles or shakings. It just was like, I got this word. I practiced it. I got a few more, but nothing, you know, I couldn't tell any difference except I started perceiving and understanding some deeper things about life and God some deeper wisdom so God can do it any way he wants. The other thing is later, decade, maybe a decade or more later, when I finally understood that you're supposed to actively try to do this a lot, do it. You don't have to sit still. It will not. Here's what I think. If you sit there, it'll never happen. If you said, I'm going to do it and participate, it will. And that will help stir up your gift. That will help stir up the rudder of your soul and your life. And what I did was I just experimented. So I had, I would pray at first in the 80s as a mom with two children in a Bible study. I would just pray in the spirit and it was hard as rocks. I thought, man, I'm going to do it. And I would set my egg timer on for three minutes and it was like a chore. So for a while I was plugging away. I didn't really understand it. I didn't like it, but I did it. And then later, through the years, I got more understanding and developed, and I kept on doing it. So what I've really done, I haven't done it lately. I need to do that maybe, but I don't do it just to work it. I do it when the Lord reminds me or tells me. I just go down the highway driving because you're in your car and you got errands. Well, then you just use put your praise music on your radio station, and then you just pray in tongues, plug away, and keep on going. And when I knew the Bible, standing on the Word, Thank God for that, sitting under good preachers, 
that's part of it, and just believing cold turkey for yourself. But then I found that if I just didn't think about eyes not seeing all, you know, I claimed it, I believe, I was warning it, but I thought I'm just going to pray in the spirit and I can intercede for others. I can intercede for, I don't know, you know, pray the mysteries of God. And I'd wind up out of the blue, just being surprised with new knowledge or ideas or information, things that I would, man, I never thought of that. One thing I believe, and I credit God and the Holy Spirit and his work in many ministries that help feed me through word of faith and leaders that believe supernaturally renewing your mind and things like that for a long, you know, for many years was that I believed I never was. I mean, I claim verses, but I didn't know I was going to be doing anything like this. I was so uncreative. I was just so scared or just so imperfect. I just couldn't figure out who I was. My identity has always been hard I just didn't know I could ever teach or speak or do creative things or compose music or do TV and production and write tons of apostolic ministry teachings and prophetic ministry. I didn't know I'd go there. I just didn't know that back 83, 87. I didn't know all this. But through the years, Holy Spirit is there. And Holy Spirit to me is a gentleman. My grandmother... My mother's mother, the prayer warrior, Boo, she always told me when I was growing up, she said, Tavo, God is a gentleman. He will never hurt you and take control over you. Now, that didn't mean other people won't try, including Christians, but the Lord won't. And I tell you that about the Holy Spirit. My friend, my joy, my companion, my jokester friend, Holy Spirit, my comforter and fun life, peace, he's there and he is not he is a gentleman he is not gonna make me do anything push me to do anything force me into some template that others people have wanted me to go into he doesn't do that he isn't pushy he's not a pharisee so that's why i love the holy spirit that's why i love being with the holy spirit but i do say there are periods in your time in your life where it will jump start you quicker if you pray in tongues if you'll just know how to do it and not be worried if anyone thinks you're goofy you don't have to do it in front of them do it by yourself that's what i do now, I don't mind in a group. I'll do it. Nothing bothers me. But if, you know, growing up and developing and getting to, you know, this free, untamed. Listen, Dallas did a work on that with God. <laughs> but I was pretty bold in many ways, but not this wild, forthright. But a lot of people are dull of perception these days, even in ministry. you got to be a little forthright or blunt or they won't get it. They don't like it. Anyway, back to the Holy Spirit. He's more fun. He's <laughs> and mature. So the idea is that God loves us. He doesn't want us to be a religious nut. He doesn't want us to be goofy, all over, unstable, weak, super sensitive, like a navel-gazing, superior, prophetic person who's no fun, never plays, hides in their cape, under their aura thinking that's how you do it as a prophet. But anyway, so we want to make it sort of natural, not spooky. You don't have to be normal, but you can be natural. So I think praying in the Spirit, having fun, relaxing, 
first oh, let's see second john 3 what is it first john 3 second john 3 it says beloved above all things i would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prosper that's another good one to pick apart think about it beloved says the lord i wish above all things that you would self prosper that means not depending on anybody else to prosper but god and yourself all along, you say, Lord, you say you, you want me to prosper and be in good health. So that comes about if my soul is prospering. What is my soul, my mind, will, and emotions? Well, then let me help you, God. Let me help myself by choosing and willfully participating in activities and actions and prayer that will prosper my mind will and emotions. Philippians 4 talks about your mind. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Give all your cares to the Lord and supplicate all your needs, but then also think on things. The command is to think on things that are lovely and true and pure. And it tells you a whole list and that will help your brain and your mind and your soul observe good things when all the chaos and frightening stuff and fear stuff is on the news and on the online and in the forecast. Okay. So you have to pull out from the world and unplug from it, plug in to the Lord his doing, his instructions that are helpful tips, not formulas, but helpful tips for your particular case. My case is not your case. So I'm giving you a lot of tips, a whole lot of really fun tips that you pick what you feel is God to you, what he tells you to do, and then do those. So Beloved, above all things, I would prosper and you be in health even as your soul prospers. Choose to think on that and how to do it. The spirit of truth will come. He'll guide you into all truth. John 16, 13. Claim that one definitely and go for that. There are a lot of others. Eyes is not seen. Ears not heard. That's 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10. Go after that. Get a whole list of all of them and do them all and let God, you know, give you 10 minutes here, 8 minutes there, 5 minutes here, 30 minutes there, and then keep on praying them, believing them, meditating upon them. That means pondering pondering the biggest, you know, every word in that sentence, every word in that, that, uh, verse. Well, I see my clock, our clock has run down so that we need to finish this message. But anyway, it's been fun for me. I've enjoyed talking. I love to minister to ministers. I love to minister on the, you know, eyes not seen, ears not heard. Man, that sets my soul free. I want everyone to get the jump start, the revelation download, the Holy Spirit, like as a jump start to your creative side, your natural side, your problem solving side, your remove that Greek thinking, that old, sorry, you know, I can't go any farther. I don't believe. My father said I'll never amount to anything but a hill of beans. And my mother said, you know, you're black. You won't go very far. Your father said, you're not gifted enough. You know, you're not talented enough to be my child. My child would get out there and do this, that, and the other. But you know what? You are your father's child, the creator father. And this is how you go to him. And this is how you start unplugging that Greek thinking dam of blockades for ages, fear, unbelief, pitifulness, powerlessness. All of this comes about by really thinking on these things a lot, a whole lot. God is good. Remember, I has not seen what God has prepared for you and me. Only these things have to be revealed and can be revealed really by the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Lord. We ask for ministry, blessings, protection, favor, the Spirit of the Lord to counsel each one with your Holy Spirit and your word. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And don't forget, P.S., God loves you and nothing, the Bible promises, nothing is impossible with God. Bye-bye. This is Tevo D'Arcy signing off for now.